Let's get to our passage today. You know, we have a behemoth of a message to get through. I I realize, I I heard from my officers that uh, in Jita, which is the high school ministry, you don't really hear many messages on on dating or biblical dating. Even when you get to FLM, you don't really hear too many messages on biblical dating. Usually what I do, if if it's a case that you're hearing regular messages every week or every, every year or or, you know, regularly that, you know, I'll just give something a little bit, just a little here, a little there. But because you haven't heard one in probably ages, I decided to put a lot in here. Uh, and not just what the Bible says too, but maybe even some practical advice that might be slightly confrontational, but I just think is needed to hear sometimes, you know. So uh, it's a mix of advice as well as biblical truth and We'll get to that together. So are you guys excited? I'm a little excited. I'm a little bit nervous too, but oh, here we go. Finding true love, right? It's all downhill from here. <laughs> okay, the, yeah, the, med, the, the title's the best. Well, let's read the passage together. Genesis 2, 15 to 25. The word of God reads, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for man, for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and the wild animals. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the, from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word that gives us insight into your heart and your design. And we pray that through this message today, you just give us a bit of that even more. Make it clear to us um, what you have in store for us. And give us the position, the heart, the attitude to want your best more than anything else in this world. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So in light of Valentine's Day, I decided to share a message on dating. I know you don't hear too many messages, so I decided to preach that today. Um, today's message, honestly, is geared towards mostly those who are single and, and those who are dating. Uh, if you're married, you get a little bit too. I'll share some tidbits with, for you as well. But a lot of the principles that we cover are biblical principles, so you can actually transfer it over into your marriage. Uh, but, you know, I'll share a little bit with you guys. But right off the bat, I want to tell you, I'm not a relationship guru. I do not know the ins and outs of men and women, you know. But after counseling many couples into marriage, and after counseling many couples who got divorced and who are getting divorced, many couples who are separated, wanting to get divorced and trying to reconcile them together, after witnessing many, many healthy dating relationships in my life, and after witnessing many, many very destructive dating relationships in my life, I've come to some of these conclusions that I'll share with you today, and hopefully they'll be very, very helpful. Uh, But I want to be very clear, however, that the heart behind this message is this. I don't exist to help you get married, okay? But I exist, and my, my role, hopefully in your life, is to help you have a godly, Christ-centered marriage. That's it, 
okay? There's a big difference between those two, and hopefully that will be clear to you as we, um, you know, go on this message. And so, you know, this, what I mainly want to share with you is things that I've learned from the creator of love and the greatest demonstration of love, which is Jesus Christ himself, as well as what I've learned from just studying his word together. And so hopefully all of these things will help you or will give you a good idea of what it takes to be and become Mr. or Mrs. Wright, you know? And I think that's, that's really important because it's being Mr. or Mrs. Wright that you actually give yourself the best chance on meeting the one that God has planned for you. Do you guys get that? Is that cool? Um, but if you're already dating, which I know some of you are, you know, hopefully through learning all these principles will help you decide whether the person that you're dating now or the relationship that you're currently in is going in the right direction. And if it is, great. But if it's not, I hope you have the courage to make some decisions in your life. And so, you know, before I begin, I just want to be very, very clear. I am not here to judge any of your dating relationships, okay? I am not, okay? I am not the, you know, uh, I am not the dating police. I am not, you know, like the dating inspector, um, you guys are going to date whoever you're going to date. You're going to date however you're going to date. I don't control any of those things. But all I want to do and the role I want to play in your life is to simply help you uh, work towards a godly, Christ-centered marriage. And if that's what you want, then I'll be of good, a lot of help. If that's not what you want, then I probably won't be of much help. You know, that's it. So that's where I'm coming from. And, you know, if you want that for your life, and you know, please come and talk to me. I want to help you get there. And that's it. No matter what stage of dating or singleness you are, or even if you're married, I'd love to help you get there. And so that's what I'm here for. If you're married, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to judge your relationship journey, however you got to the altars, however you got to the altar. And that's great. But I am here to help you make your marriage more godly and more Christ-centered. And that's why you have a pastor. Are we cool? Are we clear about that? So that's where I'm coming from. Hopefully today's message will be helpful. With that said, let's get right into it. Genesis 2. I'm not going to read it over again because it's so big. But the context of this passage is very simple. It was written, it's, a, it's talking about the Garden of Eden, isn't it? And it's, it's describing the time when the Garden of Eden didn't have sin. Sin never touched it. It was absolutely perfect and holy, right? So what we get here in Genesis 2, verses 15 to 25, is the perfect and holy intention of God behind the relationship of why he created woman for man, right? That's what we're getting. We're getting the description and the holy intentions behind why God created Eve for Adam, which will hopefully give us a lot of insight into why God created marriage and how we can date in 2021. You guys ready? There are three principles that I want to share with you that hopefully this passage is going to teach us. And the first is this. Number one, man and woman were created to work for God. Man and women were created to work for God alone. I forgot that last word. Alone is a big word, okay? So this verse says what? Oh, Genesis 2.15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So this verse says that God created Adam to do what? To do work, right? To serve God by working for him. He was supposed to work the garden and take care of it. So Adam was created to work for God. His whole day was consumed. Every single day he woke up in the morning, he's like, okay, God, I love you. You're amazing. How can I glorify you today? Oh yeah, I'll do this. I'll do this because you commanded me to work for you. So I'll take care of the garden. I'll name some animals. And that's what he did every single day as he was hanging out with God. So here's the question I want to ask you. 
Did Adam know that he needed somebody? Do you think Adam was perfectly satisfied waking up every single day, hanging out with God and doing his work? And the answer is, yes, he was. Because he had God, right? Remember, it was perfect. It was, it was, sin, it was sinless. And every single day he had to woke, wake up with God. He was so close to God. God was sharing his heart and thought with him. He was just working with God. He was working for God. Perfectly satisfied was Adam, right? And he had God, and God had perfectly satisfied him. So here's lesson number one. And this is the one lesson I'm going to come back to all throughout my message, because it's the biggest one. In our lives, all we need is God alone. Okay? In our lives, all we need is God alone. He alone is enough. And so if you go through your whole life and you never get married, it's okay. Because if we have the full satisfaction of God, that's all we really need in this life. That's what the whole Bible is all about, right? And so the whole purpose of man is what? What did God say? What's the greatest commandment? To love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. But in doing so, to be perfectly satisfied in him alone. Because when we love him with all of our hearts, we, we actually receive all that he is. And we become perfectly satisfied in God alone. That is why it's the greatest commandment. You know, the greatest spouses that I've seen and I've witnessed over the years, the greatest spouses that I've witnessed over the years are those who are fully satisfied in Christ alone. Do you know why? Because everything that they do is a worship to God. They do their housework as a worship to God. They do their, their work, you know, with it, to make the income. They do that as a worship to God. And so guess what? The way they treat their spouses is a worship to God. They're the greatest spouses, people who are perfect, satisfied in God alone and who have everything to give because they know they've been given everything by God, right? They're the most attractive spouses. If you're single, you need to become this person before you get married or else you'll spend your whole life leeching off of somebody, demanding things that only God can give you. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're dating, then you also need to learn how to be this person, but I know it's, very, it's a lot more difficult when you're dating. So this is what you need to do. You need to ask yourself, hey, are you perfectly satisfied in Christ yourself even if you weren't dating? You need to get there. You need to also ask, hey, I'm dating this person. Is this person perfectly satisfied with Christ if, even if he wasn't or she wasn't dating me? Is this person perfectly satisfied in Christ? You, that person needs to get there. And if you're not, you know, what's going to happen is instead of being in a relationship where the way you treat your partner is a worship to the Lord, you know what kind of relationship you end up in, which a lot of us do? You end up in this relationship where each person is demanding from their partner what only a spouse should be giving or receiving to each other, to their own spouse. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's not what we should be doing. We'll talk about, uh, and the moment you start down that path, sorry, you begin to hijack what God has in store for you and your future marriage. We'll talk about that more in detail a little bit later, but let's get back to Scripture. You know, Adam here is he's, he's completely satisfied in God alone, but God looked at Adam and he said, hey, I don't think that, that doesn't look good. It's not good to me. And so what did he do? He put Adam to sleep and he created Eve. So the question is, why did God, Create Eve. And that comes in verse uh, Genesis 2.18, where it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. Therefore, I will make a helper suitable 
for him. And in that verse, we get God's intention of why he created Eve. He created Eve for Adams to make a helper suitable for Adam. That word helper is a very interesting word in the Hebrew. That word helper literally means to help do work, right? Isn't that awesome? So God created Eve to help Adam do the work of God. What was Adam called to do? He was called to take care of the garden, name the animals, take care of the animals, right? So God created Adam, or sorry, Eve, so that she could help Adam now do the work that God had called Adam to do. God created woman for man to do his work for his glory alone. Do you guys get that? This is why God created marriage. God created marriage so that they could do his work together. God created marriage so that a man and his wife could work for God together, so that man and his wife could build God's kingdom together, so man and his wife could glorify God and make him greater in this world together, which means marriage was created for God alone. Do you guys get that? That's it. You have to understand this one. God did not create marriage so that you could feel complete, you know? God did not create marriage so that you could move up the social ladder or be fulfilled in any single way. God did not create marriage primarily so that you could have babies, you know? Stuff like that. It was to be a partnership that works to increase the glory of God through your union. So what does that look like in marriages today? What is that supposed to look like? Well, it means that if you're a Christ follower, then at the heart of your marriage is a, a, a unified vision and a unified passion to make God greater through your union. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're married and that's not who you are right now, it's okay. You know, maybe nobody taught you this. Maybe, you know, no one really like, challenged you to do that with your partnership. Maybe people taught you in the past, it's okay if you love her and she loves you and, and you guys are Christians, it's okay. Just do whatever you need to do. As long as you go to church and give offering, you'll be okay. No, that's not why God created marriage. God created marriage so that you can work for God alone, so you can serve God, make him greater in this world, and you should be using your talents and gifting and your history and everything that God has put you guys together for so that, you can join forces and make him greater. Maybe there's some way that you guys are both uniquely created to build this kingdom together. You guys should be having those discussions. Have those discussions. Pool your resources. Pool your history. You know, all everything that you've been through and come up with a strategy to make God together, you know, greater through your marriage. That's what it looks like. If you've never done that, maybe you can start tonight. Have a conversation. It's cool. It's, everything starts with a conversation. You know, we can talk about this more even at our Married couples ministry. We'll talk about that more. Anyway, but what about for our singles? What does that mean? Well, let me talk about the reality of dating today, and then I'll get back to our point. You know, the reason why many of us get into a dating relationship is because we're attracted to somebody, right? It's very simple. I'm like, oh, I think she's, you know, hot or whatever. You know, oh, I think he's so cool. And we're attracted, and that's cool. You know, and we get attracted to them for different reasons. Maybe it's their looks, or maybe it's their status, or maybe it's their wealth, maybe it's their talents, maybe it's their faith. All, the, all those things are natural. Um, but the problem is that from, from that point on, we go on this mission when we start dating to discover if this person is going to make me happy enough to go on a second date and then maybe a third date. And then we keep on going on this journey to discover whether this person is going to make me happy enough to be with him or her forever. Am I right? Isn't that kind of the natural progression of things? And, th and so the things that we look for when we, when we start dating and stuff, 
uh, we start asking you know, these more important questions like, oh, how is he gonna, how, how does he treat me when I'm having a bad day? You know, and that, that, that makes a huge impact whether you want to stay with this guy or not. Or how does she make me feel when she's hanging out with my mates? Right. And that might be that maybe that might make a huge impact on whether you stay with her or not. You know, does she get along with my family and friends? How much financial stability does he have? How long do you think her goods are going to, you know, her good looks are going to last? There are so many questions that we ask ourselves in our hearts. But do you know what all, the fault that all of these have in common? The fault that all of these have in common is that it's centered around our pleasure, our happiness, and our satisfaction. Even for Christians, you know, a lot of times women are like this, like, oh, I want a man who's going to lead me so that I can get closer to Jesus. And women or men are just like, I want a woman who fear God so much that I'll fear God even more because of her and stuff like that. And the thing is, there's nothing that wrong with it. But if you're being fully, if you're fully satisfied in Christ, point one, you don't need that from your spouse even if you're Christian. Hopefully you're giving that to your spouse, but you don't need that from your spouse because you're so satisfied in Christ alone. And so what's the point? The point is this. If two people are going into a relationship with their happiness or satisfaction as their greatest value, then not only are, there, are they destined to become disappointed in their partners, but that selfishness, the selfishness now carries with it the potential to destroy that partnership. Right? And that's why so many Christian marriages end up in divorce because their relationship was never about the glory of God. It was never about the work of God. It was never about making him greater. It was always about them and making themselves happier. Right? It was never about holiness. It was always about happiness and satisfaction. Never his glory, but always himself. And, and whenever that's the bottom line, your happiness going into this marriage, which God never designed, then you carry with it the potential to destroy it. Do you understand that? That's sin. Okay. True love relationships, however, the way God designed them to be, are never centered around us. They are centered around a couple's united vision to accomplish the work God wants them to do. So what does that mean as a single person? What that means as a single person is that the greatest priority of your life and the greatest way to position yourself to find true love is to know and to be doing what God wants you to do right now and to do and, and to do with all of your heart, soul, mind, and being. Invest yourself completely into the work of God. Serve him. Go and take risks for the kingdom. Put yourself out there to make God great and see who God's made you to be. And as you're doing that, you know something amazing happens. As you're doing that and going for it and going for the kingdom, going for his glory, something amazing happens. The things that you used to get attracted to, like looks, wealth, security, all of these things that used to be at the top of the list, all, all of a sudden start to fade away. And the qualities that you start desiring and the qualities that you start getting attracted to are the qualities that are going to help you do the work of God in your life, right? What are those things? Things like holy character. Things like vision, things like direction, and things like fruit. Is this guy bearing godly fruit in his life? Eddie, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. And so, yeah, but here's my quick answer. The answer is you'll only find that out if you actively follow Christ. If you don't know what God wants you to do in your life, start just actively following Jesus, which leads me to my next practical advice. I'll share more about that a little bit in a second, too. But my next practical advice is this. You know, as a pastor for 25 years, everyone, used, all single people tell me is this, 
Eddie, I just want to marry a good Christian. I don't even know what that means. Right? You ever hear that before? I just want to marry. I don't know what that means. I don't know what being a good Christian means. But this is what I'll say to you, if that's you. Whatever that means to you, can you first just become whatever you think that means? Right? If it means like dedicate to God, goes to church, fears God, serves him, fears, likes his, loves his mom and dad. I don't know what it means. But whatever it means, can you be that person first, please? That's what's really important here, right? Make sure that you are actively growing and serving and building the kingdom. And next, if you're actually serious about God and you want to marry someone like that, then can you please do this? Please just don't date anybody because they say they're a Christian or just because they go to church, okay? We all know, let's keep it real. We all know that just because you go to church, it doesn't mean that you're a committed Christian, okay? All right, well, I said it. I'm the pastor, and I said it. But, you know, we're trying to get there. But, if, you know, thank you for coming to church. You know, and thank you for, you know, you know, being here. I know it's hard to be here. You know, it's hard to get into your car. <laughs> anyway, you know, but we're all trying to get there. But it doesn't mean that we're there yet. So just because they go to church, just because they call themselves a Christian, doesn't mean that they're, like, really committed to Jesus. Right? Make sure you date someone who actually proves it. I have a friend. Uh... And, you know, my wife and I, we, we visit my friends a lot whenever we go to the States. And he's a very good-looking guy. It's very awkward for me to say that he's a very good-looking guy. But he is. I'm sorry. He's just a good-looking guy. And he's a very good-looking guy, and he is absolutely filthy rich. Okay? And I met him when I was younger. And he's a great friend to have. Really rich friends are good friends to have. Anyway, they shout you everything. But regardless, you know, the moment he became a Christian, he said, Eddie, I made this decision. I'm going to use all my money and my family's money <laughs> to support missionaries all across the world and to support ministries. And I thought, that's awesome. And then that's exactly what he, that's what he does. And he just started filtering money into everything for missionaries and, and for ministries, technology, everything that will help them. It's, it's amazing. And it, he's on like the cutting edge of so many things. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Anyway, and so as he's doing this, he, you know, he, one day he shared with me, Eddie, do you know what the hardest thing is about being in my shoes? I said, what is the hardest thing? He goes, getting married. I said, why is that so hard? He goes, because I'm like, you know, super, super rich. I said, why is that hard? He goes, because, you know, like, and this is the whole thing. Can you imagine, I don't want to say it like this, but can you imagine how many women were going after this guy? He's a really good looking, really rich guy, okay? Everyone's going after this guy. And so he's like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know who to, to, to go out with. And, you know, if I date someone who's on the poorer side, is she just marrying me for my money? If I, made someone, if I date someone who's rich, is she, is she committed to Christ enough to give it all up for the kingdom? I don't know. You know, so I don't know who to choose and who to say yes to, who to say no to. I said, oh, dude, I wish I could be in your shoes. But anyway, I'm not. But, you know, how awesome a problem you have. Regardless, he decides to just say, oh, screw it all. I'm just going to live for God. And I'm sure God will make it obvious to me. One day, he meets this girl, and he gets totally attracted to her. So it's him, you know, pursuing her. And all of a sudden, he starts talking with her. And before he could even share what he's all about and what he's doing with his life, she shares with him what she's all about and what she's doing with her life. She comes from a filthy rich family as well. And she was saying with, to him, before he could even share, what I want to do is I just want to use money. I, I feel like God blessed me with a lot of money, and I'm just going to use it to support the kingdom and to build the kingdom with it. You know, I want to be uncomfortable for the rest of my life, yada, yada, yada. And he was like, oh, my God. And so he starts sharing what, what he's all about, and they totally clicked because the direction of their lives, the hearts and their visions were aligning. They literally went out just a few times, and a few weeks later, weeks, he proposes. She said yes. Isn't that crazy? 
That is crazy. Okay, that is crazy. You're, supposed to, you're allowed to say yes. That's crazy. It is crazy. But let me tell you what's crazier. They, you know, you know, they knew when they met each other that they they shouldn't be together. It doesn't click on a, on the worldly level. They even like. Okay, I know you guys don't do this, but they're, you know, women's magazines like Vogue and all those. You know how they, a lot of times they have these surveys. Are you are you compatible with your partner? Right? You ever take those surveys? I know you guys don't even know what a magazine is because it's all online. But. You know, the thing is, they took, this, they took those compatibility tests, majorly failed, right? They are not supposed to be together, you know? Their heights are totally way off. Their family backgrounds are totally, like, different. Their family values are totally opposed. There is nothing that they could find in common. However, what brought them together and what keeps them together is this unified heart and vision and passion to do what God feels like they, what they feel called to do for God and his kingdom. And that's all that they do. And the reason why they continue to grow and flourish as a couple is because what really attracted them to each other and what makes them continually want each other more is this unified heart to make God great. And that's what they do, right? Does it sound like a fairy tale? It's not. These are our friends. We visit them, you know? And it's so awesome. They're so focused. And what they discovered through that, because they know that the odds were against them, but what they discovered through that is when you have that unified vision to work for God together, to serve God together, to make him great together, that unified heart right, and passion, what it actually does is it actually enhances every other part of their relationship. To me, that's true love. You know? We were created to be partners in accomplishing God's plan together. So if you're single and you're not living out your God-given purpose today, or if you don't know what that is, then let's get busy finding that out and live for it. If you're married and you never had a conversation about this with your spouse, let's have one tonight. I know it's awkward to start asking questions like this, but you got to start somewhere. Let's do it today. Um, If you're serious about marriage, Oh, if you're dating, then obviously first ask yourself if you're satisfied in Christ alone. But if you are and your partner is, then ask, hey, this is a huge one. Ask yourself today whether the vision that God gave you for your life is actually matching the one that God gave your partner. You know, and if they match, great. That might be a green light that something really good is going on here. If it doesn't whatsoever, then that might be a red flag. Do you know what I'm saying? That's really important. I think it is. Right, So I think if you're serious about marriage, which is about doing God's work together, which is why God created marriage, then one of the most clarifying points of whether your current partner is the right person has to be the direction that God is leading that person. Okay, We'll talk about that more in depth in the next point. Point number two is this. God created us for marriage. Okay, God created us for marriage. Verse 24 and 25 says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Did you see what it says in verse 24 here? Do you notice what God calls Eve the moment after he creates her in verse 24? It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Isn't that crazy? That the moment he creates this woman Eve, he calls her Adam's wife, right? What, he, he could have used any other word. He could have said uh, girlfriend. He could have used partner. He could have used lady. He could have used woman. These are all words in the Hebrew you know, dictionary, but he doesn't. He uses the word 
wife. And that's because his design for why a woman and man should be together is for marriage only. What does that tell us? It tells us that not only was marriage God's intention for why a man and woman should be together, but now our intention in dating at all. Our intention in being in any dating relationship should be for marriage alone. What does that mean practically? Here we go. No casual dating. No dating because I'm lonely. No dating because, oh, he's just great to be with. She's just amazing to be with. I just want to be with her. No. No dating because I want to feel supported through uni. No dating because she's so attractive and I want her. Or no dating because he's so interested in me and no one else is. None of that stuff. If we want a date to honor God's intentions behind this foundational relationship, it must be for marriage alone. Okay? What does that mean? And this is Eddie Bang's opinion I'm about to share with you. This is not the Bible. This is Eddie Bang's opinion. Okay? So if you're going to criticize someone, criticize me. It means, in my opinion, that you should not date until you're ready to walk down the aisle today. You should not date until you're ready to get married today. If you cannot say, I do, and put a ring on your finger today, or someone else's finger, do not date. Okay? Are you ready to attack me? and try to, <laughs> Are you going to charge the stage? Uh, this is my opinion. But where, I, where do I get this opinion? I get this opinion through a lot of dating books that you'll find in Kurong, which means that a lot of pastors, a lot of theologians, and a lot of uh, counselors, marriage counselors, actually support that same opinion. Why is this our opinion? Here we go. The reason why this is our opinion is because healthy relationships always grow more intimate. That's it, right? Healthy relationships always grow more intimate. And because it does, one day, if you're dating and you're not ready to get married, then you may find yourself wanting to get intimate in ways that are only reserved for married couples. And I'm not just talking about sex or physical intimacy. I'm talking about relational intimacy, which I think is a lot more powerful. Okay? I'm going to go on my soapbox a little bit here. Okay? So just entertain me a little bit. I'm going to say that many of you, probably most of you, don't know how to date in a healthy way. Okay? I'm going to put that out there. You know, what I've seen in the past, like, 15 years absolutely shocks me. But it's okay. I know you guys are a different generation. You know, you guys are cooler than me. But I just feel like you guys don't date in a healthy manner. You know, and the reason why, here it is, you constantly demand intimacy and commitment from the person that you're dating, which you shouldn't do. Okay? What? I thought that's what dating was all about. No, it isn't. Um... Let me share with you what I think dating should be about. Dating should be about going on dates. You guys don't do that anymore. You guys just hang with each other 24-7, talk to each other 24-7, right? Dating should be about going on dates. And dating, and as you go on a date, it should be this enjoyable discovery time, you know, where you get to share what God's doing in your life and what you feel like God wants you to do. And you hear about what that, you know, what's happening in that person's life as well. It should be a great time of discovery together. And then afterwards, you guys can, you know, do the 
Bandai to Kuji walk or something, you know, you know, do something. And then you allow that other person for the, the next five, six days to live for God. Maybe you'll talk to them once a week. Maybe you make, you call them, say, hey, would you like to go out again on Saturday? And you go out again, you know, you should go on dates. I know you guys are like, whoa, Eddie Bang, this is not 1950. You know, we live in a digital world here, you know. I know, but the problem is you guys are, you guys, you're, you're, the way you guys date these days is that you, you date in such a way that you leave no room for your partner to live for God. If you're constantly calling and texting, that person cannot live for God. That's it. You know, you're hijacking that person's calling by occupying their time and space. Date them. Don't take ownership over them. You know, do that. Give them that time and space for them to serve God and grow. But if you're talking 24-7, demanding 24-7, that will never happen. Do you guys know that married couples don't talk to each other 24-7? So true, right? Ask anyone who's married. They don't talk to each other as much as dating people talk to each other these days. And so, uh, you know, I've heard of dating couples these days who are so, like, attached to each other. Like, you know what they do is, like, you, I hear of couples dating, like, shopping for each other's families. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, grocery shopping. Oh, hey, boyfriend. Can you, like, shop for my parents? She, they don't have time to. And they'll shop for them. Like, what are you guys doing? You're shopping for that person's. That's like playing marriage. That's what, pe that's what married people do. But people who date these days, they play marriage instead of dating. You know, instead of this enjoyable discovery where you're exchanging and growing, you know, you play marriage. And, you know, can I really just tell you that um, when you play marriage, when you're not dating, even though you think that by doing that, it's going to help you discover whether this person is the right person for you to marry or not. You're actually not doing that. You're actually hindering it. And, I'll, and you'll realize why. I'll explain it a little bit later. But that's exactly what's happening. Why? Because you are not letting this person grow. You are not letting this person serve God, love God, know God, and serve God, and give himself to God or herself to God completely. You're actually hijacking what this person was called to be eternally just so that you could hang and text. Or hang and text, or hang and text. You know, I, that's what you're doing. So I don't understand how that builds a godly marriage tomorrow if you're occupying all that today. So release that person. Give that person the time and space to completely live for God without you in their life. Why? Because that's God's calling upon his life, and you have no right to take that away from him or her. Do you guys get that? Is that clear enough, right? And if you're going to be insecure about that and not trust your boyfriend or girlfriend during that whole process, then man, I'm a little bit nervous as to what your marriage is going to look like if you guys say, I do. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't be that. Don't do that to each other. The reason why so many dating couples don't do this is because they want control. They want affirmation. They want security. They want company 24-7, which basically signals to the world that what? That Point number one, lesson number one isn't happening. You are not being fully satisfied by God alone in your life, right? Don't do that to anyone. Be satisfied in Christ alone. Well, if, you, if you feel insecure about that and you're dating right now, you need to get close to God so that you could release your boyfriend and girlfriend. 
to live for God. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Is that cool? Is that black and white enough? Is that offensive enough? <laughs> if it is, it's okay. You know, you know where I live. Uh, if you're going to practice marriage, however, then can you practice it this way? Practice being perfectly satisfied with Jesus so that you can be generous with your time. If you're, people who are perfectly satisfied with God, they're the most generous people. So, they, you know, if, be perfectly satisfied with God so that you can be generous to your family, so that you can be generous to your CG, so you can be generous to the people at church. This is the greatest way to practice, you know, uh, for marriage. So that's it. You know, I know I'm very passionate about this. I'm very opinionated about this. But here we go. The reason why I am is because I've seen too many couples in the past, you know, 15, 20 years, I've seen too many couples playing marriage and finding themselves in dating relationships two years later, three years later, four years later, five years later, six years later, seven years later, not even really in love anymore, but because they are so intimately connected. In Korean, we call it jung, because the jung is so strong and they're so intimately connected, they don't know where else to go. So you know what they end up doing? They end up doing the worst thing. They end up getting married. Instead of having the courage to talk about their relationship and say, oh man, I'm a little bit scared. I don't think I really like, I mean, some people, you know, some people it works out well, you know, because they want to get married. The other issues were at stake. But there's a lot of couples that it's, you know, it's gone. The magic's gone. Everything's gone. But they, their tongue is so strong. Their connection is so strong to each other that they can't let go. So they end up getting married. And I've seen so many of these couples go on to live lifeless, loveless, directionless marriages that have nothing to do with God or building his kingdom. And so they just exist to do what? To have kids. And they fight over their kids. They fight over everything. They fight over possessions. Why can't we live in a bigger house? All that kind of crap. And that's what their marriage is about. You were not created for that. None of you were created for that. You were created to know God and to build this kingdom together. And God wants you to get married so that through this union, you can discover how awesome he is together even more deeply. So don't hijack that. You know, that's what God created you for. So don't hijack your future marriage by playing marriage now in your dating relationship, okay? I'll make one more comment about this later, but for now, let's get back to Scripture. Genesis 2, 23 to 24, the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his mother and father and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. What is this passage saying? It's saying that when God created woman for man, he, his whole intention behind that was to have a permanent relationship. This word united, for, and you know, he'll leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. In the Hebrew, there's many different words for like, you know, united. But this particular Hebrew word carries with it the nuance of permanence, which means God created marriage to be permanent. What is he saying? He's saying that the strongest connection that two human beings have in this world is husband and wife. Husband and wife are the strongest connection that any two human beings can have in this world. And if you're, if you're you know, switched on, you're like, oh, I don't think so. That doesn't sound logical. To me, the strongest bond that a, two human beings can have is between a mother and a child, right? And a mother carries this thing for like, this baby, it's not this thing, this baby for like nine months, and then, you know, and then gives birth. That, that, that intimate, visceral connection, I don't think anything could beat that. But God says no. God says as strong as that may be, what I created, woman for man in marriage, is stronger than the connection that even, than even a parent has for their child. And here's the reason why. And this is, what, this is God's design behind marriage. The reason why he designed that relationship to be that strong, much stronger than even a parent to a child, which we think is like, that's like unbreakable. 
is because he designed marriage for all of us to live in the security of knowing that this person, that you're giving all of yourself to this person, and this person is giving themselves completely to you. And that deepest of intimacy is being practiced and shared within the safety, the security, and the sanctity of this divine commitment that two people make to each other. Do you understand that? This covenant of marriage is supposed to be like this, uh, um, like this, uh, this barrier that nobody can break. And within the barrier is your marriage, you and this other person. And you are able to share everything deeply, completely, comprehensively to that person because you're secure and because you're totally safe. Because you know that this is what God created. It can never be broken. It is to be permanent. And you're supposed to give each other, you know, yourselves completely to each other permanently. And it's beautiful. And the picture that God created and the picture that God wants for you and your marriage is absolutely beautiful. But the problem is when you play marriage in your dating relationship and make demands on your dating partner that are strictly reserved biblically for your spouse, not only are you stealing, yes, I'm using the word stealing, not only are you stealing what only this person's future spouse deserves, but you are forcing this person to put all of their eggs into your basket without a divine commitment which means that God's not going to back that. Do you see? Because that's not his design. What God designed was intimacy and commitment to be mutually shared within the safety and security of a marriage covenant. Do you guys get that? Is that cool? Marriage is that beautiful. It can be. And so what I want you guys to do is to, to preserve it. Don't play marriage in your dating relationships because you might violate it for that person's future spouse. There's no guarantee you're going to marry that person. Oh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. What does that mean if I'm single? I'll get to it. What does that mean if I'm single? It means that if you're going to date, let me, let me paint this picture for you. If you're going to date, date purposefully. This is what I call purposeful dating. What does that look like? It means that if you're serious about finding your true love, then you should first know what you bring to the table, okay? Know what God has called you to. Know the direction that God is leading you towards. And then know exactly how you're, you're getting there and working towards that. You know, sh- hopefully your life should be able to prove that you're taking action and that you're taking steps to fulfill God's purpose for you in creation to do his work, and to make him great. Make sure you as a single person are doing that, right? And hopefully that's evidenced by all your choices. And all of a sudden, if someone comes along that you're attracted to, ask the person out. That's it. Ask the person out. And if you're ready to walk down the aisle today, ask the person out. I missed that one. But if you're ready to walk down the aisle today, ask that person out. Okay, and then on that date, you go through all the things that we just shared. Share with what God's doing in your life, what direction God's leading you, the way you're doing that, how you're serving your church, and all that kind of stuff, and how you want to build God's kingdom together. And then listen to what that person has to say, and maybe where God's leading that person. And if if it matches up, if the directions are kind of aligning, that's a great sign that maybe this is it. But if it's not aligning at all, and you're just like, oh, I don't know, I can't see anything, then, you know, maybe you just need to wait a few more dates, one or two more dates, and ask more questions, ask, you know, more questions, and ask more questions. And then if it's not going in the same direction, then you need to have the courage, no matter how much you think you guys click, 
You need to have the courage just to say no. Okay? Oh, that sounds so religious, Eddie. <laughs> you know, I, it's okay. You don't have to listen to me. You don't. It's just my advice. But let me tell you why it's courageous to say no. Um, when you're courageous enough to make that decision, then you don't have to waste your time or your energy or your heart on someone who is not going in the same direction as you, right? And what that's going to do is that's going to guard your heart. It's going to guard your body. It's going to guard your future marriage. And it's going to preserve it for the one that God actually does has planned for you, okay? When I was in seminary, there was this one guy in our, in our class, and he was just definitely, I think this guy was like the greatest Christian in my class. It doesn't matter. Anyway, he's a great guy. He was called to full-time ministry, and he was awesome. Anyway, he met this girl who was also a student at the seminary, and she was actually awesome too. They were both good-looking people, and they were both like from prestigious universities, and they both like had this passion for God. They were both amazingly gifted in the spirit, which is ridiculous. And they also just had this passion for full-time ministry. And so when they got together, all of us were like, oh, yeah, they're the power couple. They're the power couple in our class. You know, not only are they going to go on to change the world, but they're going to have, like, incredibly good-looking, godly children, you know, because they were just incredibly good-looking people. Anyway, so they started dating. We're like, oh, yeah, man, match made in heaven. Anyway, three or four weeks later, three or four weeks later, all of a sudden, he tells us we broke up. And we're like, what? You know? And we were all shocked. And so I asked him, why did you guys break up? And what he shared with me was so powerful that it set an example for my whole life. And that's why it's in this illustration today. This is what he said. He said, Eddie, even though we are both called to full-time ministry, I feel called overseas, and she doesn't. We have been praying about it, and it seems pretty obvious that even though we have such strong feelings for one another— we are not going in the same direction. So we wanted to do the best thing for our future spouses. We wanted to do the best thing for our future spouses by breaking up now before we do anything stupid and before we get too close and attached. My buddy and that girl, they dated purposefully. They dated with marriage in mind. They dated to honor God's design so highly that they didn't want to hijack, hijack it from each other's future spouses by getting too close today. We must value marriage that highly. We must not seek to hijack our future marriages or other people's future marriages by playing marriage now and getting too intimate in our dating relationships now. Instead, we need to get serious about preparing ourselves to meet our true love, and we do that only by giving ourselves completely to God and for living for God completely today. But Eddie, I'm not sure what my life is about or what I'm supposed to be doing or what God's calling upon my life is or even what I value in God. And if that's true, then the last thing that you should ever be doing is dragging some person of the opposite gender into the cesspool of your confusion. You guys get that? Please do not do that. You need to dedicate your life right now to finding out those things. What has God called me to? What does God want me to do with my life? And go after it. Live for it. 
right? Pursue your passions. Use them for God in creative ways. Be more dedicated to your church, your relationship with God. Grow closer to him. And you do that, and I'm confident that not only will God lead you, but he's going to speak to you. He'll give you visions on how he wants to use your life for his glory. People who are serious about God and living for him, they get those things, okay? You don't have to ask that. You, you'll give, he'll give it to you. What father wouldn't want to lead his own kids? He will. You do that, you'll have something to bring to the table when you start dating. I knew this couple who got dated, who, who got married later on in life, kind of like in their mid-30s. And I'll talk about the woman. She, you know, she was a woman. You know, she, she, got, she hit like 29, and she started to get really nervous. Oh, will I ever get married? Will I ever get married? So, you know, what does she naturally do? She's Korean, so she went, started going on all those setups. You know those Korean setups? It was just like a setup. And she literally went on like, she, this is what she told me. She said, Eddie, after 10 of those setups, I realized, I looked upon that whole year, and I realized that during that year that I was trying to get married, I totally gave up my relationship with God just to get married. And I said, oh, wow, what'd you do? And she said, well, you know, I repented. And I said, oh, screw all that. I'm just going to go after God. Why should I give up my calling just to try to find some guy? I said, ooh, it's pretty attractive. Anyway, you know, anyway. Um, so she rededicated herself to God. And she finds herself going on a missions trip. And on that missions trip, she meets a man. And the rest is history. Right? And that's it. You know, God doesn't want you wasting your life dating frivolously, dating without purpose, sharing your heart, mind, soul with someone who is not your spouse now. Don't do that. Please, date with marriage as your goal. Don't waste your life, heart, money, soul, and relationships that don't align with the direction that God wants to take your life. And if you are currently in a dating relationship that seems to be going in that destructive direction now, can I please just ask you to have the courage to pray? And pray and ask God, if, is this the relationship that you want me to be in? Okay. God created us for marriage, and he created marriage so that we could fully share ourselves and receive someone else fully within the safety and security of this holy covenant. So let us not date purposelessly anymore. Let's not play marriage anymore or treat anyone like that anymore or demand like that from anyone anymore in our dating. The consequences of those can be devastating. Lastly, third point, true love is God. Genesis 2, 18 to 22, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, the wild animals. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Once again, the picture that's being painted here is a man and a woman just serving God together, being absolutely satisfied in God together, loving each other, being loved by each other, and then sharing this absolutely intimate relationship with each other. So here's the question that I want to ask you. The question is, where did Adam and Eve learn how to love like that? And the, and the answer is, they learned how to love each other out of their relationship with God, right? They learned from true love himself. Here's a biblical truth that you can apply to every relationship within your life right now. It doesn't matter who it is, every relationship. No human being can perfectly satisfy the love that each one of us needs within our lives, okay? 
No human being can ever satisfy the love that each one of us needs within our lives. Our families can't do it. Our boyfriends and girlfriends can't do it. And unfortunately, our spouses will never be able to do it. And the reason why is because God created us for unconditional love. And because humans are flawed and sinful, their love is flawed and sinful. Therefore, people whether it's your partner or your spouse, will always let you down. However, God's perfect love never does. That perfect love was displayed for us in Christ, right? When we were his enemies, Christ died for us. When we rebelled against him, he pursued us. When we were hopeless in our sins, he forgave us. And when we broke our relationship with him, he came and ran to reconcile us back to him. There is no one that can teach us how to be a godly spouse or a godly partner better than true love himself, which is Jesus Christ. So, back to point one. Get to know Christ. Be intimate with him. That will prepare you best to be true love to someone else. Okay? Men and women were created to work for God alone. We were created for marriage. True love is God. Action plans, we talked about it all. They were all, the, all the applications are all the same. Get busy living your life for God, discovering what you were created to become. Date purposefully with marriage as your goal. Don't waste your lifetime, energy, resources on relationships that don't align with the direction that God wants to take your life. Protect your future marriage. And lastly, know Christ deeply so you can be Christ to someone tomorrow. Um, three principles that I believe if you live by, it will put you on the path to finding and enjoying your true love either today or in the future. If you have any questions about any of these points or would like to talk about anything, please come and talk to me. Please don't be intimidated by anything. I will not judge you. I will not judge your past. I will not judge anything like that. If you want me to, I will, but I just won't, you know, initially, okay? But please know, once again, what I am fighting for, and the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I believe God created all of you to have godly Christ-centered marriages, and I'm going to fight for it in your life which means sometimes it's uncomfortable. But hopefully you'll be thankful tomorrow. Right? You know, that's it. That's what God created you for. Okay, let's pray. Now, I know, you know, I, know I, I talked a long time, and I apologize it was so long, but, you know, there's, there's a few things I just want you to pray about. I know some of you are single. You're wondering if you're ever going to find your true love. Instead of praying for God to send that person, can you pray and ask God to make you that person? That's it. If you're currently dating and wondering if the person that you're with is the one, will you take all of these principles on and be honest with yourself? Are you guys moving in the same direction? Are you guys learning, giving each other space to be satisfied in God and to continue to sort of seek out their, you know, your purpose in Christ? Take it seriously. If you're married, do you are you so satisfied in Christ that you know your your spouse? receives his love from you? That's what we were designed for. Is your marriage deepening because of your shared vision for God? Ask for a unified vision starting from today so you can serve him and make him greater. Why don't we just uh, come before the Lord? Let's just put our hearts, our lives, and our futures in his hands. 
And let's just trust him for our marriage today or our marriage tomorrow. Let's pray. Genesis, we can read about your heart, your heart for us, your heart for our future spouses, your heart for our future marriages. God, we ask that you help us take it so seriously that all we would want to do is to be the person you called us to be. Help us to be a man or a woman who's absolutely in love with you, who absolutely finds the greatest satisfaction in hanging out with you and doing your work alone so that we can trust you to bring along that person that you want us to work with so that you could become greater as a result of us being together. God, do that for these people here in this room. We know that you created them for great marriages, godly, Christ-centered marriages. Father, we pray, give them the wisdom and the courage to put their lives on that path today. We thank you, God, so much. In Jesus' name we pray. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna close our service. All right, I, I know it's late, so I don't want to keep you guys any longer. Uh, sorry for those who wanted to sing the closing song, but I know it's late, so I feel bad. Let can we stand and let's close our worship with the benediction. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these souls that you brought to this church. God, we pray. Oh, let them experience the joy of what it means to know you the joy of what it means to be united with someone who loves you even more and who fears you even more and who wants to make you greater even more and the joy that comes from a union that just makes you great and elevates and escalates our hearts to places we never thought could exist in worship. Make each one of us that person today so that you might be glorified, you might be made greater in our marriages tomorrow. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord radiate his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen. Have a good week, guys.